Welcome back to another episode of Am I Doing This Right? I'm Corinne Fox. And I'm Natalie McMillan. And we are best friends, confidants, millennials, and the hosts of Am I Doing This Right? A life how-to podcast from the perspective of non-experts. And each week, we cover a new topic and we drink a new bottle of vino. Of vino. Yes, we do, Natalie. And this week, we are talking how to love our bodies in every shape and form with model Dana Patterson. We're going to be talking with her about her journey through self-acceptance as a plus-sized model, how media can harm our self-image, and how we can practice self-love with our bodies in every state, mm-hmm. which is so important. I feel like right now with all of the like hot girl summer, yeah, all that going on, like I think we need to take a step back and like rethink some of right. these conversations right. we're having. And that some of them are just so subtle that you're like – Oh, like yeah. we're still body shaming even though we're not, you know? Yeah, there, there's a lot of it going on and yeah. I think she's going to be the perfect person to talk yeah. about this with. I do too. She's very eloquent in the way she speaks like on TikTok, on her Instagram stories and she covers a lot of these topics. So I'm excited to speak with her. Me too, but I'm also excited for this wine, Natalie. What are we drinking? Yes. Okay, we are drinking the St. Francis Pinot. This is a Sonoma Coast Pinot from 2015. Hmm, okay. Are you going to think of a, a new adjective? Yeah, yeah I'm actually going to pull up a, um adjective. Because if you've been listening along with us, you probably have noticed we always say, interesting. Which interesting. we've now referenced on like Okay, so 15. I'm going to say something crazy. I'm going to try it. Okay. Let me try it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm, I would say this is a uh, this is hot spiced. <laughs> oh wow, that's an interesting earthly sluggish fiery potential. This um, has some fiery. No, potential. I'm just I'm literally just reading these insane descriptor words yeah. for wine. Principal sparkling, generous Hungarian, pure wholesome. What, what the what? fuck is this? Li- okay, hold on, hold on. Well, while she's looking for adjectives, I'm just going to say, well, I'm not going to rate it till the end, but I will say. Don't worry. At the end of this, I will have some educated words okay. to speak on the wine. Okay. Some, some edumacated words. Ed- edumacated words. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's just do a little, a quick little intro Yeah, before on, we bring on Dana, Dana on, uh, let's introduce her. Yes. Dana Patterson is a model, like we said, and she's on the forefront of the body neutrality and body positivity movement. She's also worked with Puma, Joe. Josie Marin, Faye Swimwear, etc. And she is an influencer who has amassed almost half a million followers on Instagram and over 150,000 followers on TikTok. TikTok. We love TikTok. The TikToks. She speaks very openly and candidly about her journey with self-acceptance, mental health, body image. She's really just, and you know what? She's a girl's girl. And, I and we love a gal's I gal. I love a gal's gal. And she's also just a stunning. She's stunning. Absolutely on top stunning. Of every other adjective. Yeah. All right. So let's bring Dana on. Bring her on. Hey, Dana. Hi, Dana. Hi, you guys. You look so What's gorgeous right now. She's in her car, but Thank she looks. Thank you so much. I mean, she is a model. Oh, but... you, yeah, you are a model. She's just <laughs> stunning. I got a little spiffy for you guys. Okay, I came prepared. I'm ready. <laughs> we love it. She's got a blowout and everything. Oh, you look amazing. Oh yes. <laughs> well, we're we're so excited to talk to you. You're you're like we said, you're a model. I actually started in the modeling industry when I was 19. I don't. Do oh my it gosh. 
I have some experience, not probably nearly as much as you do, but I'm so curious like how your journey in the modeling industry started, how long you've been doing this. And since you joined, how you've seen it evolve over time, because it's my own personal experience with it. It's an interesting industry to be in. I want to hear your thoughts too. But yeah, so basically, because I feel like there's some stories behind that little intro. Um, But similarly to you, I got scouted when I was 18. So that's how I started. I got scouted by Ford, moved to New York. I thought I was being pranked genuinely because at the time plus size modeling or curve models or whatever you want to call it was not really a big mainstream thing quite yet. You had maybe like a couple clients out there like Torrid and Lane Bryant. It wasn't a very like mainstream exciting Mm -hmm. thing. So I thought I was being pranked for sure. I was like, there's no way that Ford models is interested in seeing me like, LOL, something is going to go awry here. But then I flew out to New York and met with them. And that was a wrap. Moved to New York for a little bit, then moved to Miami, then moved to LA and signed with Wilhelmina Models. Then I moved over to LA Models. I was their first oh, print or plus size model LA on their print model. board. Hey, <laughs> when were you there? I was there until, honestly, until I was on their board for a while after I stopped yeah. modeling. And I finally was like, hey, guy, like, you know, I don't really do this anymore. You could take me off your board. You're like, I don't like this that much. <laughs> Oh but I was at LA you models. Probably had similar agents then. Yeah, probably. But you were saying that you were the first plus size model on their women's board. Yes, on their print board. So that is they've always had curve girls on the runway. But yeah, so it, it was really great. Actually, that was my only positive modeling agency experience. I have oh, stories for wow. days on the rest of them. I really love that. But yes, wow. they were great. So, so former LA models agents, we love you. Shout we out. love you. Yay. <laughs> I'm like, like, as if I know them, I'm like, good for you, LA model. You're like, hey, good for you. <laughs> well, my question but is, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, well, you were saying, you know, like curve model, plus size model, like all these things. Yeah. And I feel like I've heard that that can be even like a size eight in like the yes. industry. And so do you find that term like problematic at this point? Or what are your, what's your thoughts on plus size, saying somebody's plus size? So kind of in ties with the question about how have things changed. So when I first started, anything from a size eight and up was considered a, a plus size model. But the reality was, is that there really wasn't any space for you unless you were a size 14 to 16, because that was really what the samples fit. So when I first started, I started at like a size 12, probably. And I'm probably like a a 14, 16 gene now. And every agent that I went to was basically like, you either need to lose weight or gain weight. So there was no really space for anybody in between. But yes, people from eight and up were considered plus size. And then anything from zero to four really was straight size. There was really no room size. Six was just like non-existent. So yes, incredibly problematic. And, you know, for me, Labels are problematic in general, Yeah, Mm -hmm. but, you know, it was just the range of what plus size really was too, was so confusing for so many people. It's definitely changed quite a bit. The industry is much more inclusive now, although I will say, I don't know if it comes from a genuine place of wanting to be inclusive. I think if you're like keeping an eye on things, you know that it's it's really a money grab because brands are starting to realize like, oh, people aren't going to support us unless we are inclusive and including all sizes and, you know, et cetera. So yeah. Well, even a, lot of, a, a lot of brands don't have anything over a 12. 
And I think the stand, I think the average woman in America is like a 14, 16. Yes. So yes. how insane that most brands don't even have that size. Also, like what was crazy to me that you were just saying, it's like that in between, which is also where a lot of like normal healthy bodies are, are yeah. isn't, there's no representation for that. And now I, I've seen it on TikTok, like mid-sized body, yeah. but like it's crazy to me that that's just not even a market that they're trying to hit. It's either, you know, these very, very thin girls or, you know, on the opposite end of the spectrum, but there's no room for anything in between. Mid. Yeah. Like a mid size. Yeah. I'm like very solidly mid. And I'm like, I don't really see anybody out Me there. Me too, girl. <laughs> Listen. Yeah. But not only that, but I think the other issue too is the fact that there's not a lot of shapes necessarily represented. It's a very yeah. narrow shape, especially, you know, I was, actually talking to someone on TikTok earlier today (laughs) about the fact that when you go online to purchase something that everyone who is in the plus size category looks very hourglass and has a very flat stomach and how incredibly problematic that is because shapes of different dress sizes. So say you're like a size 16 or 18, you're not necessarily going to be shaped exactly like the person that you're seeing on the site either. Mm. So it definitely, and so you get the item in and you're like, wow, this looks nothing like it's supposed to look on me. So I think there's a lot of lack of representation in that way also, because again, you know, we're still kind of considered like mannequins in a way um, to show off the clothes, but you know, the lack of representation has always been an issue. And I feel like it's just different now. And although we had a lot more of kind of a narrow idea of sizing, I guess, like 10 years ago when I started, which is crazy to think about, I still feel like there is such a lack of kind of size inclusivity in regards to representation. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you know, it is definitely so, so odd that the average size woman is a size 16, but we rarely ever really see that kind of representation and, anywhere. And the, like so. you were saying, the shape and like what that look, what a 16 looks like yes. when one person, another person and how clothes fit on, you know, like the size is one thing, but also the shape is a whole other thing as well. And I love yeah. that you brought up that point. And the other thing Definitely. that um, I've noticed is like bodies have become a trend. So like when we grew up, because we're all about the same age, it was very yeah. much the heroin chic, quote unquote, like yes. double zero or less bone sticking out. We suffered, man. Oh my God. <laughs> I remember the magazine when, covers. Yes. Yeah. It was just insane. And then now it's very much like this Instagram, like tiny waist, like big Crazy. hips, like all these things that are, are like not, humans aren't shaped that way. You know, yes, but no question. Do you think that there is a future maybe now that like we're talking about this more where there's more yeah. inclusivity and like maybe we'll start to get to a place where body shapes or weight or size isn't so heavily emphasized? So I hope so. And that's an amazing thought. I feel like a lot of people are starting to catch on to that now because you're so right. Like bodies are always trending. Mm-hmm. And I always talk about the fact that it's society selling us something new because at the end of the day it really is all rooted in capitalism not to get yeah. like too deep but <laughs> yeah. the reality is is that they're all they're always selling us something new and so especially in regards to women our value unfortunately 
within the system is the way that we look. So they're constantly selling us a new way to look. When we were growing up, it was the heroin chic, you know, what diet can I get on to lose 10 to 20 pounds in a couple weeks and yeah, be the thinnest I ever could be. And the magazine covers that were portraying all these celebrities to be like, oh, is she pregnant? Wow, so-and-so looks so oh horrible gosh. and fat and whatever. You know, portraying fatness is like the worst thing that could possibly happen to you, right. which we know it is not. So I hope that we will get there at some point, but I think people really need to start cluing in and kind of getting away from this constant focus on our bodies. And Natalie, you and I have talked about this quite a bit and the fact that even in the way that the body positive movement has swung, yet again, we're now really focusing on what everyone looks like. And every post has to be about what my body looks like today and a long caption justifying the way that we look and that our existence is valid and worthy, essentially. And I think once we step away from that and start to feel valid just existing and not feeling the need to justify it in any way, that hopefully we will get past that. I've heard a lot about, and I think this is what you're talking about, the like being body neutral like or the body neutrality yes. movement. I've seen it on TikTok where I see everything. <laughs> in the yes. Which I really love because I do think, yeah, that body positive movement, I feel like maybe just got out of context at one point. And then now it's like, yes. right. It's like not really serving the point that it was supposed to anymore, where I love the body yeah. neutral, where it's like, this is just a body. I'm just a body. And it doesn't define yeah. me. It doesn't make me better or less than. It doesn't. It's just the body that I'm in. A hundred percent. It's just a skin sack that we are <laughs> experiencing life in. And that is it. But no, I totally agree with you that the body positivity movement has just become something that it wasn't intended on being. You know, it was originally created as a safe space for marginalized people and bodies and to seek representation as well as work against systemic oppression and marginalization that, you know, marginalized and oppressed people face every single day that say thin white women don't experience every single day. And it's now been turned into since the the phrase that was coined was body positivity. Everyone's like, oh, it's about being positive about my body. So every day I'm going to post positive things about my body. But the reality is, is that it did start off as a social movement, seek representation for people. So I totally agree with you. For me, body neutrality has just resonated with me so much more because through therapy, which I recommend for everyone, oh, we I realized too. that it was <laughs> therapy. I realized that the more that I focused on talking about my body constantly, it was actually turning into something negative mm-hmm. and that it wasn't affecting me in the positive way that I was hoping it would, as well as my eating disorder recovery. And so I kind of just dropped off of it and was like, this is me. I'm bad AF. You either like it or you don't. And I don't need to constantly justify my existence and the way that I look. Right. And that's kind of what you were saying before of this whole thing where it's like, you have to write this long ass caption and it's like, why? Yeah. Yeah. Like Like for what? For what? To like, you know, make an excuse. Like here I am. Here's why I'm here. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We don't have to justify our existence and, and the way that we look. It's just we're perfect the way that it is. And not only that, though, but the other thing that body positivity and what it's turned into is continue to perpetuate is that our value lies within the way that we look. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the, the language like 
your body is beautiful no matter what, and you know, my cellulite is beautiful and blah, 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 continues to insinuate that we have to be beautiful in some way in order to hold value in our society. And eventually that will start to kind of click for people because it's, you know, again, not to get too like Joe Rogany today, but like (laughs) it's all rooted in, rooted in capitalism because they will continue to sell us all kinds of things in order to uh, continue to perpetuate that the way that we look holds value. So I've I've found that in the way that brands have started marketing to us, it's all about self-care and it's all about Mm self-love and it's all about inclusivity in their marketing. And that's why I said earlier, I don't think it's coming from a super you know, genuine mm-hmm. place because they've just found a new way to sell us things essentially. So yeah, the joy. <laughs> the joy. Well, you seem incredibly like self-reflective and like you've thought a lot about this. And I'm very curious how your self-acceptance journey has been for you throughout your whole life, like from your childhood and how it's changed in your teenagehood and in your early twenties and where you're at now. Cause it just feels like you have such a yeah. good perspective on your body and your self-worth. And I'm just curious how that's evolved over time for you. Oh, man. So obviously, <laughs> as we know, growing up in the early 2000s was rough. Yeah. Um, I so I so desperately wanted to be thin and blonde and blue-eyed. I prayed every day. That's what I so desperately wanted. And obviously, that was, you know, could not be achieved. And especially taking in all of the diet culture and all of the thin foe essentially during that time was really difficult for me because I've always been a bigger body person. I've always been like small fat, fat, chubby, the whole nine. So I never felt like I was ever accepted. And it wasn't about necessarily fitting in. It was really just wanting to like walk through life like everyone else was. And it just felt like that was never going to be possible. And so, you know, growing up in the early 2000s too, going to clothing stores was basically impossible. I had to always shop at Sears in the, you know, boys section because nothing else fit me. Like going to limited two was like a far-fetched dream. And so that really shaped me as I started to get older. Mm-hmm. And I never thought I was beautiful, never thought <sighs> I was attractive. And which again, doesn't matter now that I'm older, but yeah. then it was really hard growing up because you're just like, man, this is never going to be me. So as I continue to get older, again, that's why it was so shocking to be scouted at 18 because I just never felt like I was ever systemically pretty. I was just mm. like, well, this is just kind of what it is, especially growing up in the Midwest too. I grew up in St. Louis and it's a very like cookie cutter, live, laugh, love girl. And I was just never <laughs> that. So when I got scouted, we moved into a whole different realm, insecurities and body insecurities. I was thrown into the fashion world where clients would pick me apart from head to toe, where my agents would pick me apart from head to toe. The reality was too, is that things are so different now in the modeling industry. You have a voice of your own with social media. Your agents and clients probably fear you and what you're going to say, because now you actually have the power to kind of talk back. But then it was like, if you don't listen to your agents and if you don't listen to your clients, you're done. And if you have a bad experience with someone or you stand up for yourself, maybe even if you're in the right, your career is over. It's really in the hands of other people. So 
going into that was really difficult because I had already grown up with all of these really gnarly body image issues, hating the way that I looked, always wanting to be thin. Ford, I don't know if you remember this, but Ford ended up closing down their lifestyle and commercial division and going bankrupt for a little bit. It was like, it was the whole thing. Yeah. And I remember they gave us like two weeks notice. They were like, hey, we're sending you your checks and we're dropping you. Um, Have a good one. So I moved back home for a little bit and then went to Miami and went to LA. In between that, a manager had reached out to me and she said to me, Hey, you know, you have an amazing look. I think you could be a supermodel if you just lost 60 pounds and got oh to a 37 God. chip. Oh and at the time, what? I know at the time I was in such a bad place in my life. I was unfortunately in an emotionally and physically abusive relationship. And I was like, well, I just need to do this. Like I need to do what it takes to be successful. And that's also the problem of being like an overachiever kid. You're like, oh, well, I got this, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So going from, you know, disordered eating, diet culture, kind of shaping me as a child. Now I was like, oh, well, I have the tools to lose all this weight. Like I'm set, I got this. Mm -hmm. So I ended up completely starving myself, developing multiple eating disorders, destroying my mental health. I'm dealing still with health consequences of these years. Couldn't get down to a 35 inch hip, no matter how thin I got, no matter how much I starved myself. I ended up kind of giving up things with this agent and moving to LA and signing with Wilhelmina. And then they said, Hey, we need you to gain weight in order to be a plus size model, because unfortunately you're too big to be a straight size model, but you're also too small to be plus size. And I was like, okay, <laughs> like I just, I need to just, I need to just do what it takes. So then I ended up gaining weight, finding success there, but, you know, still feeling so deeply insecure with myself and the way that I looked and the way that I presented to people and clients. And, you know, there's also this super healthy, unhealthy, as you know, competition a lot of times with, you know, booking jobs yeah. and, that you just feel like you're constantly having to like, I don't even know, just work yourself up to, to be the best. And it's so unbelievably difficult. So that wasn't necessarily helpful for my uh, mental either. <sighs> but yeah. eventually, I ended up leaving the print world as I had had some just really awful experiences with photographers and clients. And it was pretty horrendous. And I got to the point where I didn't feel safe with my agents and I didn't feel like I was being protected. So I just one day was like, I need to take a step back. And at this point, I had started growing a following on social media. So I was able to, and I'm unbelievably grateful for that because I feel like that saved me. So through that, I started going to a really amazing therapist, working through all of my eating disorders and disorder eating and kind of realizing that like I, I needed to just fall back in love with myself mm -hmm. and that life was so short. And if I didn't start now, when was I going to start? Yeah. So through, through therapy and also like just being really, but just being hard with myself in the best way, but setting harsh boundaries with myself also was the biggest act of self-love that I ever could have given myself. And that's when I really was able to like fall in love with my body again, but not only fall in love with my body, just fall in love with myself. Yeah. Because again, I feel like talking about falling in love with the way that you look, is just so conditional because you just never know what will happen. We go, I gained a ton of weight this year. I had a really unbelievably difficult year as we all did, like, hello. And my self-love can't be conditional on just loving my body. It really has to be yes. about loving yourself to the core. So that was kind of my journey. Therapy was just integral. And it's so funny because I know a lot of self-love content creators have, you know, 
booklets that they sell. They have, you know, programs that they sell. My program is I'm like, go to a therapist. Just, I, like, this just, is what I recommend get to you. get to a therapist. Please see a certified professional <laughs> because that I am not. I'm just here to talk about my personal experience. But like the best thing that you could do is see a certified professional. And not only that, but there are so many amazing therapists that work with people who have body image issues, eating disorders, body dysmorphic disorder, et cetera. Um, it's just the best thing that you can do for yourself. It so that was is. my journey. It really is. Yeah. As you're describing your story, it's like you, your whole life, were basically told, like, you in your body isn't okay. Like, yes. too. Like, I can't, just because of how you are, it's like, oh, I can't participate in this because of the way that I look. And so I can see why now you're also like, why the fuck am I still doing this? Why am I still saying, you know, here's yeah. my body and here's a big caption and why and X, Y, Z. And I think yeah. that a lot of us are just now starting to be like, wait, what? Like. We've all been. Convinced. This is a little off. Yeah, something's <laughs> off here, and like yeah, thing with the whole like self love, but it's like only if we love our body. Like it doesn't make sense. And another thing that yeah. I woke up to just this past year really is this really toxic diet culture that like, and even God, the hot girl summer work. thing. Yeah, hot I don't, girl summer. I don't. Like, yeah, it's sneaky. It's, it's sneaky. sneaky. Okay, the way that they they really do, they are good. At marketing the diets to us. No, the, the hot girl summer thing is, I love it and I hate it because I feel like people 100% equate it to, hey, like I need to get my summer body in check. And this pressure, and I used to do it too, where it was like this pressure to make sure that I was at the right weight and looked right um, for summer to be able right. to present in a certain way to people. And it's unbelievably toxic. And the way that they have woven and TikTok for me, I don't know about you guys. TikTok for me was like, whoa, I feel like we're on Tumblr in 2014. Yes, I'm it totally feels one. like this that. Is not okay. I'm calling your mom. Hello. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, I will not let you do this to me. And it is a little bit frightening. There is a just kind of what would be considered thinfo, scary, you know, diet information. And this is the whole thing, too. It's like so easy to have access to something like TikTok. And I am constantly thinking about these girls that are so young going on here and seeing Rebecca talk about her, what I eat in the day where she eats a bowl of oatmeal and some cucumber with some, uh, nothing but whatever the bagel seasoning from Trader Joe's. Like, I'm like, babe, babe, like, I don't know, like, I don't know about you, but no. Um, and getting all of this horrendous nutrition and diet advice from social media. So now I just feel like we're having to protect this new up and coming group of people yeah. from the same diet culture ideologies and painful body image ideologies that we went through. Yeah. I just feel like it's continuing to be so unbelievably cyclical. And it's it, like you were saying, it's so sneaky. And I think that you know, when we grew up, it was like really focused on like losing 20 pounds in two days. If you just like drink lemonade with yeah. cayenne pepper in it or whatever. And yeah. now it's very hidden in like health. Like, yeah, it's, oh, it's massive yes. healthy. Yes. Quote unquote, yes. clean, quote unquote, you know, keto, yes. all these different trends that are act they're actually diets, mm -hmm. you know? Yes, they are a hundred percent diets. Failed. And I think yeah. people, girls, and especially young girls, they don't, they can't discern. Yeah. I can barely discern. No, I could not discern. Girl, I was in it to win it. And growing up, you know, 
my family, God love them, amazing people, but we're constantly on whatever diet, Atkins, low carb, South Beach, Weight Watchers, all of it. And so, yes, now it is all very like intertwined between food fear. And I also recently had to go through another bout of kind of like cluing in on food fear because I am gluten intolerant now. I can't eat dairy. I can't eat eggs. And so that limits my food choices. But through that, I was also seeing all of these food influencers talk about how all these other things are scary and bad. And I was like, oh, no, I can't eat that also. I must stay away from it. And I had this realization, Dana, okay, that this was also diet culture sneaking back in again. And it really, it really is sneaky. They know how to market it to you. And, you know, I follow so many amazing nutritionists now that talk about the fact that there is no bad food. There is no bad food. You have to take away the stigma from food and be free from the shackles of diet culture because there is no bad food. The whole clean eating thing, all of it. Goodbye. It's Bye. just it's not okay. Throw it so, Yeah. But yes. I love that. I, but I, have, I no, sorry. I have another question for you. Yeah. This is a little off topic, but I want to make sure I get it in mm-hmm. because we're talking a lot about body positivity and body image. And I feel like as a woman, obviously I've seen, I've grown up and I've seen my friends and girlfriends and the way they've talked about their bodies and their own personal struggles. Yeah. I think for me as somebody, I've never really, that hasn't been my journey. I have a, a lot of journeys, I have a lot of mental health, a lot of anxiety. I've had my own. Me too, girl. I, you know what I mean? I have all of that, but I, body image was one thing I, I never struggled with. And I feel like I've never yeah. known how to be an ally for a friend, how to, how to talk about it. Our positive affirmations, you know, telling them they're beautiful. Obviously I do that, but is that enough? Or is there another way that I can just be a better ally for a friend who's speaking negatively about her body or who I just know struggles with that? First of all, I love this question and you are amazing for even asking this. So snaps to you. <laughs> I want to just make my friends feel beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And I totally get that because I'm the same way to my friends, even when I'm struggling with whatever. My favorite question to ask people is, you know, when they're going through body image issues or self-love issues is how can I be there for you in, in the way that you need me to be? Like, mm-hmm. what, what can I do to be there for you in the way that you need? Because a lot of times, you know, for me, I have this panic about being a burden on people. So when people say, Hey, like I'm here for you, I'm like, cool, that's great. I'm never going to reach out to you about anything because (laughs) I panicked internally, but but the thought is nice. Like, I'm glad that you're there for me, but the question, how best can I be there for you? Like, what do you need from me is the best question that you can ask because it's so easy for us to just say, this is really what I'm eating right now, or I need you to come eat with me, or I need you to go through my pantry with me, or I just need to sit someone with someone and talk with them. Mm-hmm. There's just so many different ways to do that. And so that is my favorite question to ask people. And that's how my friends and I do it now is, you know, what is the best way for me to be there for you right now? Like, what are you really needing right now? Yeah. So, and the fact that you even want to be an ally and be helpful to your friends is like the first, the, the best step. Like, that's really all that's needed. So, yeah. yeah. And I love that. I love that response because it really does fit for not just like body image in particular, but in, in so many other ways, you know, like a friend who's going through depression and, you know, whatever that question yeah. is like, how can I be there for you? As opposed to like, I'm here for you. And then like putting so much pressure on them to be <laughs> like, 
hey, so yes. today is the day I need you. Yeah. Like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, hey, just checking in. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Well, I think very, that, very difficult. So yeah. Yeah. And I think that everything that we've talked about today, just like how we can move forward into a society that's less focused on bodies. And I was talking to Corinne about this um, when we were kind of coming up with some questions to ask you, because like my entire life was like riddled with body image problems. I, I, I was a double D by the time I was 13. So like my body always up for discussion. My my dad would ask me how much I weighed, like all this shit. Oh, yeah. Yes. It's just it's always a treat. It's always yeah, what size? Oh, you it's you can lose a few pounds. Right. <laughs> or you even the even the like, oh, you look like you've lost some weight, you look so much better. Yes. Okay. Oh god. Yeah, so <laughs> like, what does that even mean? I know. Yeah. Oh, it's the worst. So I'm hoping that with this type of conversation and just continuing these types of conversations, yeah. that like my dream would be to have a daughter that grew up like Corinne, who like didn't have people oh. that were like, well, oh, you look, you know, because it's like, yeah. what a blessing. What a blessing. You no know? question. And I think what we also have to realize is that it really starts with us because this kind of discussion is very systemic. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't blame my parents for being for their internalized fat phobia, because I know that that was pushed on to them. Right. And that's how they grew up systemically. And subconsciously, they don't even realize that they're being fat phobic. And they don't even realize what they're saying is so harmful. Because it's so ingrained in their subconscious, they think that that is just normal. So I think the fact that we're even talking about this is so unbelievably positive. And the reality is, is the best thing you can do is just not comment on people's bodies on your own Mm -hmm. body, on your friend's body, on the person that walked by his body, you know, as someone who's always been the plus size friends, Mm -hmm. I can tell you that there is so much harm in having a thin friend that's like, oh my God, I feel so fat today. I look so fat today. Does this make me look fat? Because it continues to perpetuate that being fat is the worst thing that they could be. That's their greatest fear. is to look like me in something. And they may not think that they may think, oh, well, Dana's beautiful. She's a model, whatever, or, you know, so-and-so is beautiful. I would never think of them that way. But when you are the fat friend in the room with them, that just is like a bullet to your heart. It is the worst feeling. No, I was going to say, yeah, really just breaking this cycle of all these conversations we've been having and breaking the cycle of, you know, whatever our parents have passed down to us. Like, that's really our job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Watching our language no and also keeping an eye out for these really, you know, veiled, sneaky things where you're like, yeah, you're reading yeah. a magazine. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I wonder if I should drink um, celery juice every morning. And then you're like, oh Wait, my God. Yeah. Literally, that has no science backing it. And that for me is where I really kind of get to when it comes to debunking a lot of these diet things and even having discussion with people on social media, especially TikTok, which is just crazy, is having discussions about the fact that there's just simply no science around this. And therefore, it is not fact. So no, I'm going to skip the celery juice every morning and not suffer. (laughs) So, and also my my goal is not necessarily to drink celery juice and be, you know, as thin as a rail. Like I'm, I'm okay the way that I am. 
Yeah. Well, Dana, it gives me such comfort that you're on TikTok because my sisters spend, um, they're 12 and 13. They spend 95% of their lives on TikTok. So just to know that someone like you is out there and doing the work and having these conversations, it gives me a lot of hope for them. And um, thank you for doing what you're doing. It really is, it's changing people's lives. And so it was such an honor to talk to you. Yes. Oh, we're so glad. Such a pleasure, you guys. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. So, of course, and we're going to link to everything you're doing, your TikTok, your Instagram, and all the other amazing things you do. Amazing. I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you for this amazing conversation. And thank you for using your platform to speak on this. Of course. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Have a great rest of your day. Yes. Thank you, guys. I love her. I love her so much. So I kind of have, you know, talked to her a little bit. We're Instagram friends. I love an Instagram friend. But like, Jesus. I just love her energy is amazing. Super eloquent too. And just it was so well spoken and like powerful. And really, obviously, she's thought a lot about this. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Like she's very self-reflective and like really understands like where these problems are coming from. Yes. And I also like I even had a couple like brain blast moments, like, oh shit, like you're right, you know? Mm-hmm. I think she should really do a TED talk or like a speaking tour. She should. She really should. Cause she is. She will. I'm she will. Affirm that We're for affirming her. that. Dana, <laughs> oh my God, we can't wait for your TED Talk. Well, we, we hope you guys feel empowered to embrace and love your body in all of its forms, feel inspired to practice self-love, and learn more about Dana and her work in the body neutrality and the mental health space as mm-hmm. well. And if you want to keep up with Dana, you can follow her on Instagram and on her TikTok, which is at Dana Patterson, which, you know, going to be linked in the show notes. You know it's going to be linked in those show notes. If Corinne you ever want to visit those show notes. my show notes I spend a lot of time on, she does. feel free to, guys. She really does. We love that. <laughs> but now, should we circle back on this wine? wine. What is it again? St. Francis Pinot Noir from Sonoma. We, we love a Pinot. I love a Sonoma Coast Pinot. It's a 2015. Mm. And because I love a Sonoma Coast Pinot, oh, we should introduce our hottie. Oh, we got it. We have to, you guys. An obvious hottie. I mean, it's an, an obvious, obvious hottie. hottie. And actually, I know her and she's so sweet. We got to get her on. Yeah. Got to get her on. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we can't. We, we are affirming that. We are affirming We will. That. We will have her on. She's really sweet. And I actually met her through modeling. <gasps> I did this. two Dolce & Gabbana shows with her. It's Ashley, Ashley Graham. Graham. I think Ashley Graham also was like very instrumental in like getting the conversation moved. Yeah, she was just uh, on the cover of Vogue and it was said the the model who changed the industry or something. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. But I really think, yeah, she had such a huge impact and it's just going to keep going and we're just going to get to the point where all bodies are celebrated. Yes. Every shape, every size, every. But also, the, also, body's not having any. Right. They don't add They're just a body. Like she said it was a meat suit, right? Yeah, it's a meat sack. Meat sack. It really is. It really is. (laughs) I like to decorate my meat sack with jewelry and tattoos. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So let's Ashley. Rate the wine one to Ashley Graham. Um, You know me. I've been looking at these words to describe she's been over there. You know, I'm really – and thing is, I realize that my problem hasn't been that I don't have the words for it is that I – I don't know what it tastes like. I'm just going to say it tastes good. Come on. You don't want to use any of these 
earthy, fruity, full-bodied, I would mineral, a, Ooh, little... ner- a nervous wine. Oh, a nervous wine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's light. It's, you know what it is? <gasps> you know what it is? It's silky. <gasps> That's not in my list of words here. But I would you smooth. agree? Silky. Very silky. Mm-hmm. 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 It's also like, I could see this as an everyday sort of Pinot. Like, <gasps> it's not, when I say everyday Pinot, I mean, it's like, you could really eat this with anything. You would like it. Yeah, it's very good. So do you have your rating, one to Ashley Graham? Like straight up a nine. Oh, For okay. me, for moi. Pour moi, I'm going to say. Corinne also just finished her French course. So Ooh. everybody. I would say, I'm going to say uh, uh, wheat point sink. Come on, Nat. Wheat point sink. 8.5. Here we go. Yes. So wheat point, point sink. Set. Oh, no, I got to oh, do. it has 7.5. Uh, 75. Wait, because this was a big thing in my French class. Okay. I was not good at numbers. Now, uh, hopefully someone from my re- French class is listening to this. It would be 65. 60. Oh, someone French is screaming at me right now. 60, right? 60. And then I have to do 15. Um, 60 plus 15 to make 75? Yeah. Isn't it really annoying? Oh 65. I don't know how to say. Is point? Oh, 50. 65. Oh, I'm so sorry. I had to do that for myself. That might also not be right. Okay. (laughs) I recently picked up some Argentine slang too, so we can start throwing that in there too. We're just going to get multicultural over here. Mira vos. All right. So this is the part of the episode where we play a little wrap-up game. And this week we're playing Fuck, Marry, Kill. Pick your poison. Pick your poison. Nat, do you have one? I, I have, do. I have one that I love. Oh, I'm excited. You never love yours. I know. So I, I really like it. Okay, one. well, then we'll save yours for last because okay. it's more special. It is special. So mine is Mary Fuck Kill, popcorn edition, movie theater popcorn, kettle corn, and caramel corn. Movie theater? Okay, isn't kettle caramel? No. Okay, so there's like kettle corn, no. right? It's like sweet and salty. And then there's like, you know, in like the zebra bat, like the oh, popcornopolis. Okay. okay, okay, okay. I'm going to marry movie theater popcorn. I'm going to kill caramel corn, whatever the fuck that oh, is. Okay. I'm going to fuck kettle corn. I would take a bowl. I know you're only, you're only bringing this up because Natalie brought microwavable popcorn for lunch today in the bag still. I will have you know, I wrote that down very long ago because I think I'm passionate for, for popcorn. What, what would yours be? Is it the same? Yeah, it's the same. It's the same. I do. I really love kettle corn. I would marry, definitely but marry movie, movie theater popcorn. Unbeatable. Because you're never going to get bored. You're it, not bored. You're just never going to get sick of it. No. I could get sick of kettle corn. More and also like extra butter, extra salt. I want all of it on there. Mm-hmm. So good. Now that I'm thinking about it, mine's not that difficult, but it's just, it just needs to be said. Okay. Fuck, Mary kill. Twilight Edition. Oh my God. Edward. Jacob. Bella. We're killing Bella. Murder. Duh. Murder. I'm hitting her with a truck. (laughs) Yeah. Throwing her off a bridge. We are done with Bella forever and always. We're going to marry Edward. Okay. Fair enough. And we're going to fuck Jacob. Here's my question. Oh. Are you going to. He's a werewolf. No. Are you going to turn for Edward? I guess I have to, right? Otherwise, you can't bone. Mm-hmm. You can't have kids with them. No, you can because they got. She got pregnant when she wasn't. Remember, this whole thing was that he restrained himself. Yeah, but 
But then when she got pregnant, she had to turn because the baby was like a vampire baby. Oh, yeah. It was eating her way out of her yeah. real womb. That's when the series really took a turn. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Remember the baby was like a fake little robot baby. It was so embarrassing. It was so – the production quality really <laughs> – it was never actually great. It never it was, was in a good place. It was always bad. But yeah, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to marry Edward. And I like Edward's family. You know? It's oh, like, they're sweet. Yeah. Good in-laws. So yeah, I would like them. And then – yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and fuck Jacob. Would you be okay with Edward watching you while you slept? Well, I'm going to turn anyways, so at some point I'm just going to be awake. God. Think about quarantine. Oh, my God. Think I, about – I mean, it's think about a lifetime of being alive. Nightmare. And just staring at each other and every <laughs> – you can't even sleep. It would be a rough life. Nightmare. But I would do it too. You would, you would have the same Mary Fuck Kill. The thing is, is both of them are insanely in love with Bella. That makes right. no sense. I'm like, well, both would treat me amazingly because they'd be obsessed you're, with yeah, me. Yeah, right, 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 right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'd really a win-win. It's just do I want to live forever or not. I don't know. It's a tough pick. It's a tough pick. I just think Edward's hotter. He is. And I like his family. I'd marry him. Also, Jacob imprinted on her baby. Weird. Ew. It's, it's always been weird. weird. It was never not weird. It was never not weird. <laughs> and we, we really ate that shit up. We really ate that shit up. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, if you guys have a topic suggestion, you have something you want us to cover, feel free to DM us at Am I Doing This Right Pod or email us at Am I Doing This Right Pod at gmail.com. Dot com. And don't forget to rate and review. And if you snap a little screenshot, email it to us, you will be entered to win a candle, a fabby candle. And Natalie's candles smell amazing. So, highly wreck. Rating and reviewing us and screenshotting us that proof. The proof. And yeah, thanks for listening to this week's episode. We'll be back next week with another episode. Love you. Bye. Love you guys. Bye.